The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to First Bite, our Detroit Lions midweek preview podcast where we talk about the Lions' upcoming matchup this week, we're already into week four, Chicago Bears at Soldier Field. Maybe one of the last games at Soldier Field, question mark? Maybe we'll talk about that in a little bit. But my name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the editor-in-chief at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online. With me is my co-host for First Bite, Ryan Matthews, uh, senior editor at Pride of Detroit, at Ryan underscore POD. How we doing, Ryan? I am doing fine. How are you doing, Jeremy? I'm doing great. Great. Lions are 0-3, right where we thought they'd be, pretty much. Mm -hmm. But you know what? Mm -hmm. They've been entertaining along the way, and that's all I could really ask for. Entertaining football. That's all we want, folks. (laughs) Well, that's all we want this year. For now. Yeah. For now. Uh, Speaking of entertaining for entirely different reasons, uh, Chicago Bears are the Lions' week four opponent. And to have us preview, to help us preview, uh, that team, uh, we've got our, one, one of the oldest friends of the podcast, not, not in terms of age, but in terms of how long he goes back to really probably the original, what is that? Six years ago now, Ryan. Yeah. It's been a while. I don't even have his, yeah. Yeah. I don't have enough fingers on one hand. <laughs> well, he is an assistant editor over at Windy city gridiron, the SB nation hub for sh- the Chicago bears. Robert Zaglinski is here at Robert Zaglinski on Twitter. Rob, how you doing, buddy? I'm well. Better than the Bears, but <laughs> not a high bar. But I'm yep. well. <laughs> so that's good to good to hear. Well, let's let's jump right into this because uh, you know I, I think you and I have and, and and really everyone here on the podcast have had kind of a uh, Schadenfreude relationship with each other with the the Lions and Bears. Uh, we we like to tease each other a little bit. And um, while while the Lions have the worst record here, I think Bears fans are are having a tougher time right now. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with that offense. So we're going to start with the offense here. Um, first, let's let's just start with Matt Nagy and everything. Where are you at with the the coaching staff here? The the, the GM are are you are you ready to to turn a new leaf here, or are, are you willing to kind of sit this out and, and and see how it plays out in this what this fourth year of the this regime? Fourth year of the regime. Uh, yeah, I I mean at this point I'm done. At this point, I would like to see the Bears move on. I think 
there's certainly been enough of a sample size to say, okay, this isn't working. There's no meaningful progress. They're leaning too much on a defense that year by year can carry less and less of the load. And, you know, barring some kind of incredible meteorite like performance from Justin Fields in the next three months where he's like throwing for 300 yards every week and he goes on to offensive rookie of the year. I mean, there's, there's really nothing that can change it. I mean, you, you have a coach and you have an offense and an offensive staff that signed off on the game plan. Uh, I was talking about this with you in the pre-show, Jeremy, where you let Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney tee off on fields with empty set after empty set after empty set. You know, there's Nagy talked a lot about in the preseason, how he didn't want fields to become that half rate player, how he didn't want him to just be running RPOs. He's not that kind of quarterback. He's not, he's, he can rely on his legs, but he's a pocket passer first. He's an accurate passer first. He wants him to learn all of that. He wants him to eventually become an empty set passer. But to do that in his first start on the road with a guy, again, that was fishing six weeks ago on a lake who was not in football shape and Jason Peters, 40 years old, almost 40, and Jermaine Ifedi as your tackles, no chip, no help, and to do that 30-plus times, I mean, where is the logic? Where is where's any of that built in? I mean, if, if, if anything's going to change, how does, that, how does that game tell you that it will? So be that as you will. Right. Um, but you know, I, I think for, for, for as much talk as there was, and, and I guess we have to have this discussion again, uh, because leading up to this week, who knows who it's going to be at quarterback for Chicago bears. Is it going to be Andy Dalton? Is it going to be Justin Fields? Why, why does this question persist Rob? I think Nagy in, in, and I know Jeremy had mentioned this, but also where, he's a little bit of an egomaniac and, and I'm, and I'm understating that. And I know Lions fans are very familiar with egomaniacs ahead coaches. So he thinks withholding that information is somehow going to give them a competitive advantage over the Lions, as if there's a meaningful difference in practice prep as if they can't seem as if they can't prepare for Andy Dalton throwing three yards short of the six on third down, as if they can't prepare to tee off on fields. If Nagy has a similar game plan. So that's, he legitimately thinks it gives them a competitive advantage. He legitimately thinks it push it tilts things in their favor to not to keep from announcing the starter as long as possible. You're you're really pu- pulling a, a, a bee rabbit right now where you're you're just insulting yourself before we can even get to it. And it, it's kind of frustrating. I'm just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> I mean there's not <laughs> There's not, I'm not, cause I like, I'm, I'm at peace with it. Like yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not necessarily angry about it. Like there's like, I know uh, the POD folks love the shadow front, but like, okay. I, I agree with you. <laughs> I, I, I am watching, I am watching the, the, the third coach and as many coaches that runs wide receiver screens on third and one uh, backwards. I'm watching the same, co- I'm watching the same coach who, again, is a mastermind. It talks about how great all practices are and then none of it ever transfers over to the field. I'm sure he has a PDF somewhere of Andy Reid's Chiefs playbook, but I've never, I've never seen it on the field. So 
I'm I'm at peace with it. I, I I think I used to be like, okay, oh wait, he's he's young. All right, he's a guy that's figuring it out. Like now it's it's get out of here before you ruin the first real quarterback they've ever drafted. You know. So yeah. Well, am I safe to assume that like all this quarterback not like Justin Fields is going to start right? Like it's the only move that I think Fields makes will sense. start against the Lions. But see the yeah. thing to, to 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 go back to Ryan, um, if. I would think that if Andy Dalton's bone bruise heals up well enough, Fields could legitimately throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns this Sunday. And if Andy Dalton's healthy enough, he'll put him back in against Vegas. So. Um, all right. I, 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 I want to go back you to tell me the logic in that. Yeah, there, there isn't. And, and I said this to you off, off air, you know, the, it really seems like you're where Lions fans were last year. You, you've got a stubborn head coach and, Everyone is done with him. Everyone sees kind of the writing on the wall. Nothing's going to change in this final year. I'm, I'm already referring to it as a final year for Matt Nagy because I, I feel like that's where just everyone else is at in Chicago. Um, but let, let me let me go back to last week because, you know, when I see eight or nine sacks or whatever it was, my mind doesn't immediately go to the offensive line. And and maybe maybe I'm incorrect in this, but some at, at some point – when you're getting sacked that many times, there, there's got to be at least a little bit of onus on the quarterback. And, and I'm not saying, you know, Justin Fields is a bad quarterback or anything like he's a rookie rookies go through this, but, but it, it, would it be accurate to say that, you know, Justin Fields deserves at least a little bit of blame there? Absolutely. I mean, he, he coming out, he had a little bit of a propensity to hold the ball too long on plays as a lot of rookies do. And even in review, there were definitely some like NFL window throws that he missed, a hot read that he could have made, but instead the pressure got to him and he completely overlooked it. But, you know, it could have been like three or four or five sacks. It could have been 20% less pressure. It could have been a disastrous pick or two, which is what I expected. I didn't expect the Bears to just let him sit back and, and let the Browns like pad up their stats and essentially give Miles Garrett an early lead for defensive player of the year. Like I didn't expect that fields absolutely was at blame, but there was no sort of protection. There was no, there was seemingly no one in his ear. There was seemingly no one on his side. Like, okay, let's, let's ease him in. Let's get him into a bit of a rhythm. Let's, let's see where things go and try to make things easy on him. Cause we know he's eventually going to make a mistake. We know he's going to press, but let's minimize those. There was none of that. He absolutely could have been better, um, but they didn't really give him, give him a chance to do that either. And you know what? We haven't given you a chance to talk about anything that you like about the Chicago bears yet, Rob. And I, I know, I know in theory, like Justin Fields is something to be excited about because he is, uh, as you mentioned, one of the first real quarterbacks that the bears have drafted um, that bears fans can get around and they can be optimistic about, and they can rally around that. Is, is there anything on this football team that, that brings you joy? Because that's something that really lacked for me in like lions of yesteryear under the Matt Patricia era. Like it was tough to get up for Detroit lions football. Like, is there, is there something that, that you can get up for with Chicago bears football? I mean, David Montgomery, if we're going to stick with on, on offense, certainly looks like he's turned himself into a multi-level threat, a Matt Forte kind of guy. So has a little bit more of juice this year, noticeable juice through three games. Um, if he was in a better offense, 
if you had <laughs> a more experienced quarterback and a better coordinator, he would be lighting it up. Um, but, you know, he's still having a decent start and it looks, it looks like there's genuine explosiveness there. Um, I like Roquan Smith, obviously, as anyone will do. The new defensive coordinator, Sean Desai, is asking a lot out of him. Um, I think at least a second team all pro will be in quite, should be in question, should be up in the market given all the responsibility he has. Jalen Johnson looks like a number one cornerback. I mean, it's the Bears. So the the nihilistic part always comes from the offense. And then you look at the defense and you're like, okay, maybe they can hold them to 21 points today and we eke out some weird special teams touchdown. But it's defense. It's always the defense. Jalen Johnson, Roquan Smith, um, I guess Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack waking up. Really, at this point, those are those are the very minimal positives. I wish I could I wish I could say more on offense aside from Montgomery, but you know when receivers only see six total pass attempts that can actually go forward past the line of scrimmage, how am I evaluating that? That's fair. Um, I, I want to talk more about the offense and that offensive line because because like you said, like it does seem like the Bears are, are getting the run game going a little bit, but pass protection seems to be a, a pretty big issue. Your, your best offensive lineman is, is, is probably Jason Peters, who, who you mentioned was fishing a it month and Peters. a half ago. It is what? Peters. It's absolutely Peters. It, it, that's as sad as it sounds. Go yeah. on. So how, how – well, first off, how is the running game still working? Is it just the running back breaking every single tackler, or are these guys just better run blockers than they are pass protectors? They're better run blockers. I mean, Jason Peters, even at 39, still can be a little bit of a road grader. He's not – he is a terrible backpedal. And anyone with a semblance of speed is going to beat him on in, in pass protection, but he still has a little bit of beef. He's the bears are running a lot. They're running very well off left side off of right, off, right off of his hip. Um, Jermaine effect, aside from being clowned by clowny pun, not intended um, has also been very good in that respect. So they've, they've been doing very well off tackle. Um, I don't know that I would say that they're necessarily going to try and, to establish the run as much as it's been successful in the limited attempts that they, that, that they use it. So, um, but yeah, this offensive line, it's not the best I'd consider it a bottom third unit, but they're at least competent enough to give Montgomery a chance at making some of the second level miss. Do you, do you think that's, I mean, I, I guess I can't ask you to predict what Matt Nagy will do because he's either going to, he's going to do what he's going to do, but in terms of like game planning, does it make sense for that to be the game plan is just establish the run. Like don't be this team that drops back and throws and actually gives the rock to David Montgomery. Is that, is that what you expect them? First off, is that what you would do? Second off, is that what you expect them to do on Sunday? That is what I would do because to, again, trot out that same plan that lets fields get hit 20 times um, would be malpractice even more so than the first time. Um, But Letting Montgomery go and giving him 20-plus touches that's running and receiving, that's that's going to be the main way you can protect fields. If, if Nagy wants – I mentioned earlier, if he wants him to not develop bad habits around being an RPO guy or being a quarterback, he thinks he isn't, which I actually agree with him that, yes, Fields is not that kind of player, then you let Montgomery establish the ground game. You let Montgomery give him a semblance of comfort and then you run those empty set plays every now and then. You run those pocket plays, and you take advantage of what I know is a very vulnerable defense. Um, if 
you want to go and give Fields 40 attempts and pass on first down. Um, I don't know that that'll even work against the Lions defense, and I suspect that Nagy might do it again. That's just the na- that's just the nature of the beast. It's yeah, it's it's an interesting matchup, right, Ryan? Like because I I do feel like the Lions are are certainly vulnerable on the back end, um, as, as we saw with Lamar Jackson. The, the Lions challenged Lamar Jackson to beat him with his arm, and he did, um, not by a lot, but he did. But the Lions also have a pretty good pass rush, uh, or as we saw last week. And the run defense is is kind of still a work in the progress, but they did pretty good last week against Baltimore. So I I don't know how how this matchup is going to go at all on on Sunday because part of me thinks like rookie quarterbacks tend to be this this franchise's kryptonite. And and Matt Nagy's I don't know. I don't he he hasn't shown it before, but you have to imagine Sunday was some sort of a wake up call for somebody in that building, right? Yeah. I mean, you would hope so. Um, it was, I mean, it, it was, I mean, it's something that everybody is still talking about and it's Wednesday. You know yeah. what I mean? I think I, I, every time I go on Twitter, I'm seeing a different former offensive lineman say, no, this is what happened uh, to the bears offensive line. And then it's like, no, I, I see another offensive lineman who's saying, no, this is, this is actually what happened. Or really it just boils down to like, it's all bad. Um, how how much has missing out on Tevin Jenkins thrown a wrench in everything, Robert, in terms of their offensive line plan? I mean, that was their plan. <laughs> so <laughs> it, 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 essentially blew, it essentially blew everything up. Um, they cut Charles Leno, who I was never an special, like a special fan of. I didn't think he was a remarkable player, but he was steady, steady-ish, didn't miss the game with the expectation that Jenkins would step in, be the franchise tackle, perhaps, again, have a little bit of his own rookie beats, especially when going against other great pass rushers, but otherwise be a stabilizing force and then hope that a guy like Jermaine Defetti is a stopgap at right tackle. Well, Jenkins has a back injury. Um, we don't know when we'll see him. And now you're going with a guy that probably should have retired three years ago who I'm not like, – I keep saying the fishing on the lake story, but that is actually what happened. Jason Peters in his introductory press conference said that he was fishing on some random lake. I don't know where he lives. And he got a call from the bears 39 year old Jason Peters, who I would imagine was probably not doing much of any like explosive football workouts. Like he would before in the expectation of playing a season. That's their guy at left tackle Jenkins injured. And the other guy that they really like, who I kind of see the upside in Larry Borum is also hurt. The guy that might be their future right tackle, the guy they drafted in the fifth round out of Missouri. He's also currently on injured reserve, and there's no, there's not with an ankle injury, and there's not necessarily a timetable on that. So they don't really have a plan. Jenkins was the plan, and I don't even know if we'll see him this year. I don't think it would be smart to push out a guy that is supposed to be the blindside protector for Fields with a back injury, a 320-pound man. But we'll see. That was their plan. All right, so the Bears offense uh, humming along nicely. Uh, <laughs> let's take a break here. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about their defense. Uh, this is the same Bears team we've seen for the past 10, 20 years. Bad offense, but a really good defense. And we'll get into that defense when we come back here on First Bite.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back here on First Bite with Robert Zaglinski of Windy City Gridiron previewing the Lions-Bears matchup here in week four. We talked uh, gleefully so about the Bears' offense. Let's switch over to the defense. Um, it seems like it's kind of more of the same, Robert, um, but but the one question I do have, because it's something that interested me this offseason, is kind of this mass exodus of coaches you know, obviously Pagano retires. That's that has nothing to do with, you know, I don't know um, him not liking it there. But then you see, you know, the linebackers coach, he comes to, to Detroit in, in Mark DeLeon, Ted Mon- Monacino, the, the outside linebacker coach. He leaves, takes an outside linebackers coach. A bunch of these guys seem to take lateral moves. And is that the Bears moving on from them or them moving on from the Bears? And to add on to that, is there any difference on the field? Because it doesn't seem like it doesn't really th- seems like maybe I'm just making a mountain out of molehill here. Um, I, I mean, I th- think those guys leaving, I think you also missed uh, Jay Rogers, who correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, is the defensive coordinator with the chargers, right? He's, he's the outside linebackers coach for the chargers. now. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, those guys left to me primarily, and I'm ne- I would never be one to defend the bears for anything that they don't deserve, but um seriously um <laughs> because sean desai a former quality control coach a former safeties and defensive backs coach is the one that eventually got the defensive coordinator role so someone that you know it's a it's a basic th- principle of where someone that was their subordinate or someone that was their that might that might have been their colleague or on a lesser level got promoted above them so why stay here no room you know, and, and it's kind of with the Bears where they weren't necessarily they weren't necessarily inkling to keep any of them aside from Desai. I think Desai is there is a guy that's almost been with them for the better part. That's been with them for the better part of a decade. Is kind of the one of the real bright spots on staff, and they more or less moved a mountain around to make him the new coordinator. If that meant everybody else leaving and taking other jobs that weren't really on an that didn't really have upward mobility, so be it. Well, and, and, you know, looking at the Bears games so far this year, Rob, the the game that obviously stands out is the Cincinnati game, right? I mean, um, three picks in as, as many pass attempts for for Joe Three's Burrow. Straight. And, yeah, yeah, impressive. And, you know, that's the game where the Bears were able to, you know, scrape together a victory because they won the turnover battle for nothing. So, um, is it going to take turnovers for this Bears defense to keep – their offense afloat. And, you know, we talked about it a little bit in the first segment, but you know, it, it, the, the run game plays off the defense and the defense stands to benefit from that. It is, is the defense going to be the reason why the bears win a lot of their football games this year? Um, yes, they, they will be, but I don't know necessarily that they need, I mean, it'll be better if, It'll be better if they create turnovers. It'll be better if you have Jalen Johnson getting picks and you have Roquan Smith taking pick sixes back as much as possible. But that's just not a realistic. That's not, not a, sustainable, a realistic right? measure. Yeah. Like the where 
Yeah, it's not yeah. sustainable. And as much as I like them, this is the this is the first year of a new coordinator who kind of is running similar schemes to Vic Fangio and Chuck Pagano, but you know, it's still his system. It's still kind of his vision. Um, there are some weak spots. So while they're a good defense, to me, they're a little bit more complementary than like the main facet of on, on, a, on, a, on a normal health in a normal healthy franchise's constraints. They're more comp- complementary. Now the bears obviously are not a healthy franchise, so they are the main facet of the team. Um, I could see it though being a scenario here with down the next over the next three months where any of the lesser teams they play, they allow 17, 20 points, which is I suppose good in 2021. They get a pick or two off of a bad quarterback, and that's enough for Justin Fields to maybe eke out a win. Uh, eke out a win because they're, they're not going to win many games, first of all. But um, they're certainly disciplined enough. They certainly ha- they have a star at every level, in my opinion, um, and that puts them in a better position than most. Yeah, let, let's talk about some of those individuals because, you know, on on the surface, you know. The, I think the main players are, are starting to, to get up there in age, you know, Khalil Mack, um, you know, even, even Eddie Jackson, well, not really Eddie Jackson, but I, I guess the point is it, it, it seems like there's actually a pretty good balance of age. You, you've got, like you mentioned, Jalen Johnson's having a, a heck of a year and it seems like he's an, a, a number one corner, but on the other end, you've, you've got Kendall Vildor. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, Greatest it's, name ever. It, it's, a, it's a pretty solid name. I'm not going to lie. Um, how, how's he been playing and, and some of the other kind of younger plug and play guys that, that are on this defense, uh, what are your early thoughts on them? Uh, Vildor had a little bit of a rough finish against Jamar Chase with Cincinnati, but for the most part, I've been pretty surprised by it. I've been pretty pleasantly surprised by him. He's been a, he's been a very solid second cornerback. Um, anytime you'd let someone go like Kyle Fuller, a guy who's a former first team all pro, maybe yeah. the best corner they've had since Charles Tillman, um, while he still has a few prime years left, it's not going to go over well. I think most people that were tangential to the Bears expected Viltor to be a liability, to be someone that they could pick on, and you could easily avoid Johnson even as he shadows other receivers. But that hasn't really been the case. Um, he's a good press cover corner, um, has a little bit of heart. Has, or just, I mean, I, I, I hate to I hate to pound on those cliches, but uh, he's been pretty physical. He's he's someone that you can actively rely on and run defense, which I know is a main tenet for corners, whether they're actually whether they actually have long term staying power. Um, and I don't know off of these three games, if you want to roll with, I'm confident in saying, I, knowing the Bears does a blow up on my face this even this week, but I'm confident in saying that they have a long term cornerback to it, and it's probably. In the long run, it might be better than the one they had in 2018 with with Fuller and uh, Prince of Mukamara. At this pace, the way it's going, you know, Vildor is a first-year starter, and Johnson is, is blossoming into a star. They might have a better corner duo than they had with their historic defense from a few seasons ago. And, uh, you know, in between segments, we were talking about pro football focus and kind of the, the information that they put out there in terms of prioritizing pass coverage over a pass rush but this bears defense i feel like stands to benefit the back end does 
from that pass rush. We're talking Khalil Mack. We're talking Akeem Hicks. We're talking Robert Quinn. How how much do you view that relationship to be symbiotic between those pass rushers and the the younger players in the in the defensive backfield? I think it, I think it means everything to this defense because I mean Quinn last year everybody was looking at him as a free agent bust and based off of his first three games uh, he had a bit of a foot injury that he was dealing with it looks like he has his burst back I mean he's leading the team in sacks with four you have. Mac being moved around all over the defense and you have Hicks essentially dominating the interior of, of, of any offensive line as he pleases. Um, if you wanted someone like Johnson to develop, if you wanted someone like Vildor to develop, if you, you wanted Roquan Smith to be handling essentially the main middle of the field, because the bears don't really have another reliable off ball linebacker. So they're often in big nickel, very often in big nickel. You need a trio like that. You need Mac and Hicks and Quinn playing off each other. And this is a place where I would even give credit, where I would give a lot of credit to Sean Desai because it's a simple thing that I think many coaches would know to do. But you know, on the other side, the offensive guy doesn't do it doesn't do it often enough. He, he keeps it simple. He moves Mac around. He doesn't let teams chip away. He doesn't let teams get comfortable with Mac always lining up on the offensive left side or, or, or Quinn being somewhere or he, he moves, he moves them inside. He switches where they are. Um, he gives them an opportunity to tee off and to catch a guard or, or helpless guard or tackle off balance. And it's paying off. We're probably worth noting that, that Khalil Mack did not practice today um, due to a foot injury. He, he suffered on Sunday, but uh, if you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Robert, but I believe he returned in that game and played the entire second half on the, on the foot. So I, he did. I, I think he even had a, I think he even had a sack and that's been for Mac too. That's essentially been the case where come mid season, he's always taking days off limited during the week and then plays into the game. Yeah. So I don't think he's one of those veterans that doesn't. Yeah. Probably not much of a concern of him missing this game. Uh, I I do want to talk about Roquan Smith because in in the break, you called him probably the best player on the bears. And I think he's going to be critical this week, obviously, um, you know, he's, and and I almost said Matt Patricia. I've done that a couple times. Dan Campbell said today, like he is he is your your ultimate three down linebacker type of guy that that can play defense, uh, play run defense, drop into coverage. And I, I have to imagine his dropping into coverage is going to be huge in this game because the Lions have really kind of you know relied a lot on DeAndre Swift, relied a lot on TJ Hawkinson. So I'm just curious as to where you think that matchup goes on Sunday because I think it's, I mean, it feels like about sixty percent of the lines passing offense right now goes through Hawkinson or Swift. I don't think the, I don't think the bears can necessarily afford to have Roquan Smith in man coverage against either. If that's the suggestion, I mean, you might not be saying that. So Roquan Smith, I mean, I kind of alluded to it earlier has so much responsibility with this scheme. I mean, the bears, because, because again, they like Danny Trevath is on injured reserve. He's, been designated to return and Alec Ogletree is a shell of whatever he once was. They have three safeties often on the field and Roquan has that like middle third essentially to himself in their zone defense and their match coverage defense. They can't afford to put him on an Island with someone where he might, might lose anyway. I mean, TJ Hawkins is a very good tight end. And Deandre Swift could someone that could help have him vacate the field and then someone else makes a play. Um, 
I like, I will say that I like how Desai is creative in his deployment in that I would anticipate one of those, at least one of those lines, either of those two lines being a non-threat. I mean, Ro- Roquan Smith will make sure one of them is a non-threat. That's how good he's been through those three games, just a complete non-threat at all. Um, he's too smart of a player. He's too instinctive of a player. Um, you guys know me. I'm not someone that really readily gushes about the Bears, especially of the late, but Roquan Smith is too good to not take away one of those guys if that ultimately ends up being his responsibility. I, I have one last question about the Bears defense, and uh, how's Christian Jones looked? He's <laughs> even played. I think he's had like a few snaps <laughs> here and there. Just, just wanted to check up on on ex Lions linebackers who received contract extensions. I mean, I, I think he was a Bear first, so to be fair, it's true. Oh, so so we can call him NFC North legend. NFC North legend Christian Jones, yes. (laughs) I mean, there there are a lot of kind of interesting, not a lot of interesting, but there's three, I would say, pretty maligned Lions players currently on the Bears roster or their practice squad. Okay, yeah, you had to bring out the practice squad. Yeah, because Tease Tabor, is there, I guess this is my question, is there any chance Tease Tabor gets elevated this week? Goodness, no. (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Uh, Jesse James, I know we already talked about the offense, but um, he looked kind of good in the preseason. Like he had a couple touchdowns, I think, in the preseason. Is he uh, is he a potential threat this week? <laughs> you know, I I kind of said this earlier when we were talking about the offense. Um, I don't know how to evaluate anybody that is a skill position player on their <laughs> offense just because because considering just like. You know, Jimmy Graham gets like two end zone fades a game and that doesn't do it and that doesn't play at all. Allen Robinson and, and Darnell Mooney run short curls and then don't play at all. Um, but I think if this was the game where they say wanted to establish more of a running game. You know, Cole Komet is obviously the starter, but if you want to go double tight, if you want to go, if you want to go with the, that ace kind of formation, I think it would be pretty easy to assume that Jesse James uh, gets a better chunk of playing time than he has so far. <laughs> They're not going to put Jimmy Graham on an island blocking. I mean, Matt Nagy might. So I, I should I, I should say <laughs> I wouldn't put Jimmy Graham on an island blocking. Um, Matt Nagy might, but if they if they're going to go with that run centric game plan, then yes, Jesse James would play a ton. And and, and lastly, why Brashad Perryman? <laughs> I forgot about him too. Oh God, Rashad Perriman too. I mean, <laughs> he's been inactive, me, though, right? Like he hasn't even. Me. I know. I know as much. Like, like he has not even been active yet. I, I have one more, one more serious question about the 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 Bears defense, and that I, I want to go back to last week, and, and maybe last week's just an anomaly that you throw out the window completely. But they gave up 215 rushing yards and 5.1 per carry against the Browns. Is that run defense a little more vulnerable this year, maybe because of some of the aging guys on that front seven? I think so. I think you can definitely push the Bears around a little bit more than you have in the past. I mean, Eddie Goldman hasn't – Eddie Goldman hasn't been played yet, and, that, and that's someone that they base the defense around. That's someone that's their nose tackle that eats space that takes up two offensive linemen every play. Um, but even so, I think they've been fine. <laughs> I think the Browns' case especially was more of, okay, they've been on the field for two – 
thirds of the game and eventually the superior talented team with the great offensive line just going to start bullying them and they're exhausted and let's all go home i think that was more of that case i think the, the browns probably would have still had something like in a normal confine where they had a, a supporting or the bears had a supporting offense the browns still probably would have had a decent game overall the team rushing but th- that has to be put into context Fair enough. All right. Let's close out our podcast as we always do with our prediction segment, which we call the one thing we think we know where we give a prediction of what we think is going to happen. Not necessarily a score prediction, not necessarily a prediction of who wins, but a prediction of one aspect of the game in which we're sure is going to happen. And as always, I'm going to give the floor to Ryan first. Ryan, what is the one thing you think you know about week four Lions versus Bears? The one thing I think I know about week four, the Detroit Lions heading into Soldier Field to play the Chicago Bears, potentially for the last time. They're not like, they're not moving for at least five or six years. Who knows at this point? Who knows at this point? It's impossible to know. It's impossible to know. What is, is Bane going to blow up Soldier Field at halftime or something? Bane isn't, but Dan Campbell's coming. And the one okay. thing I think I know is that the Detroit Lions are going to pick up their first win of the Dan Campbell Ooh, era. Doing a rare win, win-loss prediction here on first bite. Love to see it. Well, Any- I, was, I was doing awful at the rest of my predictions, so I'm just going to go win-loss on this Yeah, one. I, mean, I, I wasn't going to bring up the fact that I, <laughs> I said TJ Hawkinson was going to set a career day last week, and he got two catches for 10 yards or whatever it was. Yes. Uh, Rob, we'll, we'll let you go next. What is the one thing you think you know about Lions-Bears? The one thing I think I know about Bears-Lions at Soldier Field is that Matt Nagy is going to something. Matt Nagy is going to do something that pisses off the entire <laughs> northeast quarter of Illinois. <laughs> that that you know, that might be the safest prediction we've heard all season. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's a little bold. I don't know. What? Like you know, you, you see where things go. You see where things go. <laughs> Not one nice thing to say about Matt Nagy all podcast. He's probably good. He's probably going to piss people off. No, that's bold. <laughs> He could just he could he could get the, the coin toss wrong at you know I know actually it's the way team that has the coin toss but if if he had the coin if he got the coin toss wrong people would hate him for it. Oh yeah, I mean I'm saying that at this point like where it's red meat where he yeah. he could open his mouth and people are, are cussing at him to just immediately shut up. We're at that point so. All right. Uh, the one thing I think I know, and I'm going to steal uh, a page out of Ryan's book here and, and, and go with some odds here. The over under for this game is currently set at 42 points. It's pretty low over under. I'm still taking the under. This is going to be an extremely low scoring game. Both offensives have struggled. I think lines are going to struggle to score against this bears defense. And I think both teams, both teams are going to try to run the ball like hell, which means limited possessions, limited opportunities to score. Under 42 in this game. Can I play under 42? Yep. I feel like 30, even under 32 would be safer. Bears <laughs> offense, sincerely. Uh, I was going to push you a little bit further, Jeremy. I want to know what does the team that wins this football game, what do they score? The first team to what wins this game? I think 20. I think 20. If, if it, I, don't, I don't know if a team gets to 20, but I think if, the, if a team gets to 20, they win. My my only my only concern with this is we I mean we know the Bears the, the bear the Bears win games by scoring defensive touchdowns they already have won this season with that Roquan 
Roquan Smith pick six and, you know, defensive scores can, can really break an over under, but I'm, I'm still going to stick with the under here. Love it. Ryan saying he loves it. I feel good about it. All right. That'll do it for first bite this week. Uh, we want to thank you, Ryan, Robert. Wow. Ryan and Robert. I, I want to thank you both Ryan and Robert for joining us. Uh, Robert, uh, I want to give you the floor too here really quick to, to let people know where they can find you, what's going on over there at Windy City Gridiron, anything the Lions fans might be interested in. You can find my snark if you like schadenfreude. I, I think I've definitely leaned more, far more into that than recent years on Windy City Gridiron. So you look at my byline, I am definitely making fun of the Bears 99% of the time at this point. That's what's warranted. So find me there at WCG. Um, if you've enjoyed it in the past, I think I had a meltdown in this podcast a few years ago. Find that in writing. Maybe maybe we'll bring you on post game just for fun. We 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 kind of did that last week uh, with our with our good friend from from Baltimore beatdown, but that wasn't as fun for us as it might be bringing you aboard. Sixty a sixty six yard field goal that wasn't fun. That doinked in. That that'll do it for the show. Um, you would know all about doinks, wouldn't you? Um, <laughs> Thanks for joining us. <laughs> well, I, I will say as you, as you close it out, it's, it's fun for me to finally admit that Matthew Stafford is good now that he's left Detroit. So, like, shut anyway. it down. Jeremy, yeah. shut it down. It's over. Thanks for joining us, everybody. It's chaos. Be kind. <laughs>